What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Roll for Persuasion. I'm your host, Andrew Richardson. Each and every week, I am bringing you conversations with creatives and entrepreneurs in the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop gaming space. Always a pleasure to get to bring you guys these cool interviews. Let's knock out a little business before we get going on this week's episode. As you know, this show is sponsored by AwesomeDice.com, which is my go-to source for all of those great little polyhedrals that we like to throw around. Uh, Gemstone dice, stone dice, metal dice, whatever dice you might be into, check out AwesomeDice.com. They've got great selection, always updating with some of the best and coolest and funkiest colors that you could find. Make sure you use the code ROLLPERSUASION at checkout and you save 10% on your order. You also support the show a bit. So that makes me happy and you get dice and that makes you happy. So everybody wins. AwesomeDice.com. We really appreciate them supporting the show and we appreciate you guys supporting them. So thank you. If you do not subscribe to the show already, if you're just checking us out for the first time, I would encourage you to uh, to subscribe. It's free, which is pretty sweet. And if you enjoy the show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com. We appreciate the support. So with all of that, let's jump right into it with my guest for this week. I am very excited to have them on the show. Scrat, what's going on? Oh, hi, Andrew. Very excited to be here. Thanks for having me along. Well, thank you for saying yes. Very uh, excited to have you on the show. You are in you're in the UK right now. Um, so what is what is weather like over there? Uh, do you know, that is a fantastic question. Whilst I live in the UK, uh, I often stream to American time and uh, my my streaming area is a box that is six by eight by eight with blacked out windows and theater lights. So I honestly couldn't tell you what the weather's doing at the minute. <laughs> could it be could be good right now. It could be good. Yeah, could be. Yeah, let's say it's good. It's sunny over here. Brilliant. Great. Yeah. Raining, I don't know. <laughs> Any of the above. That's awesome. Well, so you uh, you are Scraticus of Scraticus Academy. For people who do not know you, what, what do you do? Because you do a lot. So so what all are you involved in? Oh, yeah. Well, um, we're full-time streamers. We went uh, full-time in September 2017. And uh, our, our whole shtick is getting new people playing D&D and other TTRPGs. Uh, we know a lot of people are interested in getting involved. D&D and, and other games are booming at the moment. They're becoming popular uh, thanks to shows like uh, Critical Role, Geek and Sundry, Hyper RPG. Uh, over here, we've got Encounter Roleplay as well, all those big shows. And uh, we know that a lot of people want to get into it, and we want to make that accessible and easy. So we, uh, we host uh, five shows a week at the moment. Um, specifically for new players where we invite two guest players to come and play with an experienced dm and some experienced players and a whole bunch of other content as well um we also do uh weekends for um for uh new dms to try their hand at dming for the first time and really we just get people started on their dnd thing if they want to get into dnd that's that's our whole thing new people that's pretty cool and and seems like it could be in intimidating not just for people trying for the first time obviously you're making that more easy for them but when you first started doing this was there any like stress or like well how are we how are we going to make this accessible how are you know we're bringing someone maybe who i assume has never streamed before and we're putting him on a stream and we're introducing him to a game how do you kind of mitigate that kind of dipping of the toes in the water um great question um honestly i just chuck people in most of the time uh this, this that's the way to do it yeah i just you know i um i I get people set up. Some people want to do uh, tests. Uh, we've got um, we've we use pretty good software um, for getting people set up. Uh, um, so usually connectivity and stuff isn't an issue. But yeah, we've had people connecting via their phone and other things who are just trying out for the first time. And we've really seen pe some people really develop as well. People who get into it, you'll see maybe the first time they might tune on, they might come and play with us on their phone, and the sound quality is awful and the video is awful, and then like. They keep coming back and like three or four appearances later, they're sitting there with a with a fancy mic and a webcam and a desktop. And, you know, they're, they, they're getting started. You know, it's um, it's been really great to do. Really great. So a lot of people, you know, some people are, are streaming all the time, like endlessly, uh, you know, doing this game or that game. Um, and some people are like once a week, come and check us out. But, but you do a lot of different games. Are you normally DMing them? Are you playing in them? Are you just kind of producing them and stepping back what's that process uh good question uh, i uh it depends on the day uh it depends on the season as well this season i'm only actually dming two games uh i'm in another eight games oh wow uh 
and uh, I run production on the rest, or we do some other content. We're trying a little bit of variety content uh, this season around. We're doing a, a few video game plays uh, where people can just hang out and relax a little bit, a little bit less, you know, pressure on everyone to perform and be there. Uh, and also we're, do, we're trying out a Twitch Sings thing as well. Uh, we teamed up with Madame Gandalf recently to do some Bardic Inspiration uh, D&D musical. Uh, and that was a, just a ton of fun. So we thought, well, why don't we do... I'm, she's carried on with the Bardic Inspiration thing. I, I'd recommend people to check her out. She's amazing. She deserves partner by now. Uh, and um, for me, uh, I thought, well, once a week, let's just have some fun. We do in-character karaoke, um, and our sponsors are happy enough to give out prizes to the uh, to the to the winner, as declared by chat. So uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, yeah, that's a normal week. A normal week is something like a uh, twelve-hour days, uh, four days a week, um, and then on academy weekend days, I do an extra twelve-hour stream on Saturdays. Uh, and at the moment, I'm putting on extra shows to help social distancing as well. So I've got another two shows um, coming up at the minute, uh, weekly. And yeah, it's it's a roller coaster. I love it. I love it. And when you you know what they say, um, if you uh, if if you do a job you love, then you'll never work a day in your life. It's not quite true, but it's close. <laughs> <laughs> do do you ever sleep? Um. You know, that's, uh, so I do actually offer, um, uh, Warlock patron, uh, deals to people, um, for just the price of a subscription, they can, uh, get, uh, my, my own personal, uh, patronage, um, which does provide them, um, uh, the ability to ignore, uh, forced marches and, uh, going without sleep for a per limited period. Um, there's a bunch of other features in there as well, you know, uh, I right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's great. So, so how do you keep track? I mean, if you're, you said what playing in eight games, you're, you're man, you're running others. How do you, do you compartmentalize all of that and just kind of go, okay, this is game four and I'm just going to turn that switch on now and everything's there in my brain or, or how do you manage that? Well, for the games I run, it's kind of easy. Uh, I'm, so I'm a I'm a very very no prep DM. I'm I'm the dungeon master that looks at Sly Flourish's Lazy DM's Guide and go, "Poor, that's a lot of prep." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like I generally rely on my players all the time. And the new shows that we're putting on at the minute, for example, um, those are completely randomized. We're deciding the setting, deciding the level live, and then using D and D Beyond random character generator to create the characters, and we just go from there. So nothing to remember there. Um, for the other campaigns, I've actually sketched out because because they're both sponsored campaigns at the minute. So I'm trying to show off my sponsors' content. Um, that's Mage Hand Press and uh, Hit Point Press, by the way. Uh, I've actually planned out the season, but I rely heavily on my players for what has happened and hasn't happened. And really, you know, they're the ones that want to be in a story, so I just tell the story that they want sure. to tell. And for the other games, I guess I compartmentalize. I don't know. I've never really thought about it. You just you're so used to doing it, just kind of um, you jump in and it works. Yeah, I just pretend to be someone else for now. I think it helps to like fully embody the character you're doing. Like, sure, yeah. I'll often like uh, uh, I'll I'll take a body position that's a little different, you know, and uh, put on a voice. Um, so like uh, you know, if I was one of my characters, for example, Fork the half orc sorcerer, he sort of stands a little taller, so I always sit up a little bit more when I'm playing him, and he's he's got a lovely voice. Oh yeah. Folk, he's lovely, he is. He's actually uh, chaotic evil, but he's a really nice guy, so no one really notices very often. He's, he's lovely. <laughs> you know, so speaking about that, about like adopting character, you know, uh, attitudes and personas, how, how do you go about encouraging new players who maybe haven't even done role play before to not only play, right? You've, you've talked about that a bit, but step out of that comfort zone. They're on camera and really you know, go for it and put themselves out there. Um, cause I know a lot of people, I think a lot of people, I think assume that when you play a D and D character, new players, maybe that you have to do a voice, you got to do a voice. Um, and for a lot of people, that's very intimidating. And so that keeps them from even maybe doing things like you're talking about, like your, your body language and maybe your intonation. So how do you encourage people to step out of their comfort zone and embrace that rather than be afraid of it? Yeah. Uh, well, I remember the first time I did a D&D stream. Okay, it was a while back now. Some 5,000 hours ago in Roll20 or something silly like that. Uh, I, I don't look anymore, it's depressing. 
Um, but uh, I, I, I remember I had this character and it was going to be a barbarian and I would prepared this voice offline and I was all ready to go and be on this stream. It was on Encounter Roleplay at the time. They used to do a viewer game every Thursday. They might even still do. It's worth checking out. Um, and uh, I, I, we got on stage. Well, or rather we pressed go live and we're all live on there and I completely bottled it. Completely bottled it. Didn't do the voice. Didn't do anything. I just stuck it out and I roleplayed. And you know what? The next time I appeared, I had a voice again, and this time I did do it. And and really, my way of encouraging people is through repetition. So my channel, it's not about creating amazing stories. It's not about um, it's it's not about uh, any of that. Really, we, we like to give people the opportunity to come and be part on a prof of a professional stream. But really, the soul of what we do is building confidence, and we do that through repetition. You know, uh, that's why I choose an experienced DM and two experienced players stick these new players with people who already do the voices and stuff uh, or some people who have made their way very well without doing voices i know plenty of people who don't do voices it's not essential um and you know the first time everyone's going to be nervous i literally uh, people ask me for advice sometimes they're like oh uh people happens after they'll, they'll stream once and then they'll message me afterwards and be like what could i have done better how could i do better at this i feel like i did badly at this what can i do and i'm like do it first again first of all don't yeah, don't even analyze yourself right now. You've done one stream, all you're analyzing is your nerves. Like, that's all you're looking at. So just do it again. Do it again, and maybe after you've done two or three, then look at what you're doing and say, okay, what could I do better? Then listen back to yourself. Sure. So you do 5e. Um, how did you get into Dungeons & Dragons in general? And then why specifically did you choose 5e for streaming and introducing people to? Okay, okay, so um, let's see. How did I get into 5e? Well, it all started a much, much longer time ago, back when, you know, the sky was blue and the sun twinkled in our eyes, um, long before any of the things currently going on in the world. Uh, I was a wee lad playing Hero Forge with my... Uh, no, not Hero Forge, Hero Quest uh, with my older brother, um, if, you, if you know that game. I'm not sure what they refer to in America. We call them Ameritrash games, you know, the, the ones that sort of, like, get churned out. Um, it was a wonderful little game though, a very simple system, like you had combat dice, that was really all you rolled, and you had a number of points you could move and weapons you could find. And I was, as an impressionable, not even, I think I was a preteen, I was smitten with it. Uh, and I wanted to play it with him all the time. My brother was 12 years older than me and very annoyed by this. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. And uh, we never got to play enough. And as I got older, we still did play every now and again. But I wanted more, uh, and I played other games as well, like um, Dungeon Quest, uh, a sun sure, up, yeah. sun down game. You know that one? You have to get yeah, in, steal the it. treasure, get out again. Uh, I mean, I, I remember I had a character in that. That was probably one of the most memorable characters I ever had because uh, I ended up falling into the catacombs and like my torch went out three times, and then I stumbled into a troll. And to all of us, it just became canon that I was in a room with a troll who was blowing my torch out. You know, like <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. and. Um, from there, I wanted more and more and more. So uh, when it got to uh, I, I, when I was at university, I started running a D&D &D group and it was just as D&D &D 5e had been released. So 5e was new on the shelves and uh, I started uh, learning it. I uh, did start off with a D&D &D starter pack. I often try and erase that from my memory because Paco. Um, so let's let's not touch on that. But that sure. did happen for a short while. But then Five E was released, and I was like, "Oh, this is much better." Right, right. Uh, so <laughs> I played a, I played Five E. Um, I ran it for some friends at uni, but we were all often drunk. Um, I think we all played characters named after the drink we were drinking at the time. So someone was drinking a wine called Valencia, um, which was one of those, um, you know, student wines. Right, you know the right. ones, the cheap ones. Yeah. yeah. So his character was called Valencia, which I thought was an awesome name, and. But someone else was called Phantom River. You know, it was it was weird. Um, and um, we played some there. And then at, uh, from there, I went on to... Uh, I completed my engineering degree. I was an engineer, and I was the guy that put a poster on the wall in the factory. Uh, and the poster said, D&D, &D, my place, Monday night. Uh, let's slay some dragons, or something like that. And uh, it had, like, the tear off, so people could, like, call yeah. me and get involved. And uh, about two years that poster was there and no one answered. So I put a new poster up. D&D, &D, my place, Monday's night. Alice will feed you. 
Alice is my wife. And yeah. suddenly it became really popular. People started <laughs> coming around. Pulled off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was great. I tell you, if you've ever run D and D for a group made entirely of engineers, it is an experience. Um, like you give them any encounter, they're like, okay, we solved it. What? We solved it. What do you mean we've solved it? Like, oh yeah, well, we've got this magic item and this magic item, so we can combine them to do this. By using this theorem, we can do this, and then we've got a catapult that does this, and there's no more problem. And you're like, that was the whole session I had planned. Okay. <laughs> uh, like every time. I, I play with uh, one of my friends is like that. Uh, he works in banking, but he's very mathematical, kind of engineering minded. And I think we had a session a couple months ago where my DM, you know, put out like a maze or something to solve. And so we're like, me, me and his wife are looking at it. And about a minute goes by. He's like, oh, yeah, here you go. We're done. The DM was just like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, <laughs> I have nothing else prepped. This was supposed to take you a while. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I used to play with a group of like five or six engineers. So they were oh, wow. all like yeah. that. And like they'd bounce off each other and their, their like theories would get even better. And then to make it worse, my, my wife is a, a history student as well who studied all sorts of old mytholo mythologies and stuff like that. Uh, and so uh, the one time I had like a, I planned this crisp. I remember this one in specific. I planned this uh, this Halloween one shot where like there was this house that was haunted and like there was an avatar of death and like the groundskeeper was a vampire. That was the big twist in the middle was that the groundskeeper was actually a vampire, the one that had welcomed them in. And um, I, I remember I did this big thing. I was like, well, how can I do this? And the groundskeeper welcomed them and he was like, oh, I'm so glad to have adventurers come back to this place. It's been been so many years and uh you know i've been taking care of the place but now that finally i have owners i i'm i'm i'm, I'm so glad to be your chief of staff i'd love for you to welcome me aboard as as the first member of your team and uh, that was my way of getting the welcome into the household and straight away alice was like vampire he's a vampire <laughs> he's looking for a welcome he's a vampire and for the rest of the session they expected it and i was just yeah. like damn like I can't even do things non D and D. They pick it up. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was a lot of fun. And then and then yeah, from there I wanted more and more D and D. So um, I remember it was uh, uh, chaotic anarchy on Twitter who uh, pointed me towards encounter roleplay in their viewer game, and I got one. And as soon as I finished that one, I immediately subscribed to another one, and then I immediately subscribed to another one, and then they invited me back to come and be a regular player. Like I came on regularly. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do for everyone else. And from there, I, I started building the academy. I quit engineering, unfortunately, because of uh, mental health problems. I ended up having a, a breakdown, which was kind of the best thing that ever happened to me. I quit D&D &D and started doing this. And, you know, the money's a lot worse, but hey, I'm a 10 times happier. <laughs> you know? Yeah, much rather be, be healthy and, and poor than rich and dealing with everything, right? Yeah, definitely. The, the thing I miss most is skiing, I think. <laughs> skiing? Yeah, I, I, I used to get into snowboarding. I used to just have a load of disposable income. You know, engineer salaries oh, sure, are nice. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I used to go uh, used to go snowboarding with a group once once a year. There were like twenty of us, so we used to get quite a good deal. And uh, I, I used to get into snowboarding. I just about started to learn doing big air tricks. Oh wow! Uh, when uh, when well, when all of that went down, and sure, we ended yeah. up going. But uh, I'd I'd like to get back into it. You know, we're actually aiming to move to Canada at the minute, and uh, it'd be oh, awesome okay. to end up living somewhere near a uh, near a, a mountainside. I mean, you know, we're we're British, so British Commonwealth. It's a little bit easier for us to transition over there than sure, say yeah. get a green card for the USA, and then we'll be in the right time zone, which would be nice. We'd see daylight. You know, <laughs> you, you get out of your your blacked out recording box and find out yeah. what the weather's like. Yeah, yeah, and my vitamin D lamp, my current sun. <laughs> just soaking it up so so what was it uh what was it about specifically helping other people play and introducing them to the game because especially now i mean th there's a new streamer every minute and, and i think that's a great thing I, th I think it's great that people have a platform and an opportunity to um you know share their content and what they're passionate about but most people are just kind of trying to get their own content out there but you are trying to enable other people to have that experience. What, when did that kind of become a value for you that you wanted to, to share and kind of champion? Yeah. Well, I think, um, before I, so before I, uh, went into full-time streaming, uh, I used to stream anyway, you know, it was kind of that time when a lot of people were trying out and it was kind of my hobby was to, uh, be, um, uh, doing video game streams at the time. I used to play a lot of, uh, player unknowns, battlegrounds and stuff like that. And uh, I started running, um, after I got in and after I was with Encounter Roleplay for a little while, I started running my own campaign. And uh, it was essentially um, 
three members of my old Star Wars MMORPG SWOTOR guild uh, and one person that we'd met for Overwatch uh, and uh, we all got together and we just started doing a campaign and it was fun uh, but like I quickly realized that um, I was the DM for that campaign and I quickly realized that I I am not great at sustained storytelling I'm willing to admit my weaknesses and I am much better at in the moment chaos than uh, than sustained storytelling and uh, but moreover like it was fulfilling getting that set up but I really wanted more people interested and one of the things that was really popular was people coming to play viewer games I used to like my weekend days used to be like 24 hours of D&D I'd play D&D for 24 hours I'd have eight groups I'd get DMs for seven of them I'd run one and we'd all come in and play and it was just so fun and exciting that when I was looking at like um when I was looking at moving to full time um, as a way of getting work, because I decided I couldn't go back to engineering anymore. And I was like, right, okay, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to turn this into a business? And I was like, well, critical role is huge. There are clearly a lot of people who want to get into this. And I happen to really enjoy getting people into this. And from there, it was just a no brainer. I was like, well, that's, that's my angle. I introduce people to things and we all grow together. Uh, a quote one of my, uh, Madam Gandalf again said recently, she has the same views. Um, she said, trees are great. You know, everyone loves trees. Trees are beautiful. But what's better than a tree? A forest, you know? So if we all grow together, I, I just think that's a beautiful, beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great metaphor. Yeah. One of the things like specifically that you, you've mentioned and that I've seen you, you know, tweeting and working on is inclusivity. Um, in gaming and in your games in particular, how do you how do you approach that? What are ways that you specifically try to be more inclusive in the games you run and hopefully impacting kind of the the industry in general? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, the first thing the first thing to do uh, really uh, was was be open to it. You know, like to like actually try and make it a goal because like I've always. I, I've always detested racism and, um, you know, I've always uh, detested people being left out because they have maybe a disability or anything like that. But really inclusivity is a bit more than that. It's not just about um, disliking something or trying not to display it. It's about recognizing the privileges that you have yourself and trying to get people more seen. Uh, so one of the things that we're going through at the minute is um, we're doing a steep learning curve the academy where um we're hiring consultants who specialize in accessibility training and um inclusivity uh diversion and inclusion uh training and we're really um we're really helping them no they're helping us put our core goals which is hey we want uh, well even this so this sound will sound great at first but um but then hear it uh, in a slightly different way. What we used to say is we want everyone to feel included. We want everyone to be able to play D&D. D&D's for everyone. We used to shout it from the rooftops. And one of the things that kind of came from all this consultancy and stuff is like, well, someone said, well, to a POC, they said, well, do you mean that white supremacists should be included? And I'm like, no, that's not what I mean. You know, but it's just like really chiseling that out. So one of the things we've been yeah. working on over the last two months is our code of conduct. We're getting bigger, you know, our, our, we're, we're, our community is now about a thousand strong on Discord. We've got nearly 7,000 on Twitter, uh, approaching 4,000 on Twitch. You know, it's, it's, it's big. There's some overlaps there, but, you know, in total, that's huge. With overlaps, that's still considerable. Um, so we want to start putting things in place formally. So we've been working on this code of conduct, which includes diversity and inclusion. Uh, there's a lot of work going into it. Uh, we're learning a lot from our from our members, but really the most thing is about recognizing when you are a little when you are more privileged than others and sure, listening yeah. to people underrepresented in your community. You know, um, uh, so there was there was a uh, way someone described it to me recently was um, let's say let's take the take the issue away from like uh, race and uh, ableism for a second. Let's let's look at something else. Let's look at uh, height. Okay. So um, let's say there's a beautiful view and there's a fence blocking the view, right? So only people a certain height can see over the fence. So um, what do you do? Uh, well, that's, that's just how things are, okay? If you do nothing, only tall people can see the view, okay? So a majority of people are excluded. 
you could provide everyone the same rock to see over the fence, right? Now everyone has the same rock. The tall person didn't need it. They've got it, but they, they but they they've got it anyway. The medium height person people can see. The short person still can't see, even though they've got the same opportunities as everyone else. Really, to be inclusive, you need to be tailoring what you provide to different people. And that's really where we're heading with race at the minute, is we want to get more uh, black, indigenous, mixed race people of color visible. We want them on the stream being seen so that more people who relate to them can see them and be on stream. We want to get more disabled people on stream. We want to, we want to raise them up and, and, and just show them how they can also tell amazing stories. Because as a gateway, as a door into D&D and stuff, I want to be holding that door open for those people. Like you say, there's streamers popping up all the time, and a lot of them perhaps already have the privilege to do so. I mean, there's assumptions you have when you when you have people start up a stream, they're going to have a setup, so they're going to afford to have a setup straight away, you know? Not everyone's going to have that. Uh, maybe they've already got a group of friends that's willing to support them. Again, not everyone's going to have that. If we maybe have someone coming from a less fortunate background, maybe in another country, they don't speak English as their first language, it's going to be tougher. And I really want to be helping everyone so that everyone has an equal opportunity, but not necessarily the same support, you know? Yeah, the, the, that's great. And the, the fence analogy, I think, is really good. Um, I, I think, too, like a lot of times, you know, kind of running with that analogy, you or me or whoever as the tall person, sometimes we don't necessarily see the fence as the problem, right? We're like, oh, well, fences are that tall. So let me enable ways for you to see over the fence versus yeah. what if we built a lower fence or what if we changed... Yeah. What if we drastically changed something about the situation beyond just giving people stepping stones, right? And that's the ideal situation when you can just knock down the damn fence. Yeah. Just get rid of the fence. Why is it there? You know, <laughs> like it's uh yeah. And and that's really what we're trying to work on in everything that we do at the minute is we're trying to we're trying we're trying to increase visibility, trying to increase opportunities for everyone in the community. The holds our values you know and that's what our code of conduct is doing our code of conduct is really expressing clearly what our values are you know disallowing hate speech and uh and uh people being uh exclusive of uh people specifically who are people of color or, or black or um disabled you know we're, we're literally putting it in writing this is this is what we won't accept this is what we will accept this is what we want you to look like as a scratch academy member you know, and um, it's it's a thing. It's a work in progress. You know, there's a lot to learn because I I, I recognize that I I am a a white masculine presenting individual, um, and I off there will often be issues that I just don't see, and I really want to work hard to listen to the people who aren't as well represented in my community and make things better for them. And I think that's one of the. The biggest difficulties I see, because also as a you know white masculine presenting person in, in this industry, it's it's not just it's like it's what you're saying. It's not just being aware that there's stuff I don't know. It's believing other people when they tell you, "Hey, no, this is really a thing," and not going, "Are you sure?" Because to from where I stand, it doesn't seem like that. It's just saying it's it's really kind of giving people a blank check. Say, you know what? I recognize this is outside of my experience, so I'm just going to take you at your word and trust you. And if you say you need this, or if you say you experience this. That's true. I'm not going to try and run it through my own filter of whether I believe that's valid or true or real. I'm just going to trust you because we are both people. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and different people's experiences, just because people have different experiences, doesn't mean that their, their view is any less valuable. They've just had different experiences to you, quite possibly because you're more privileged of them, more than likely because you're more privileged. Right. Than them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a whole thing. It is a big learning curve, but uh, it's something that we value very strongly. And we we know, so like, um, there's there's things that just aren't in our scope yet. So um, at the moment, the Scraticus Academy, uh, you know, we publish all of our finances. It's not, we're not a multi-billion dollar company. We're, you know, we're barely getting by. We just about, I think last year we made three quarters of UK minimum wage between the two of us. That was our first year trading. It usually takes three years to get set up. So year two, we've made an increase on that. And it looks like this year we might, hit a reasonable salary. What is reasonable? Good question. Um, we don't know yet. We're, we're, at the moment, we're still trying to clear debts from the, uh, the, the, the crisis, you know. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so we're, uh, so, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. And um, 
but like I say, we 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 publish all of our finances, and uh, we want we want people to be able to uh, to have the same sort of access as we do. Uh, and I, I've forgotten where I was going with the finances thing. Honestly, I know I was saying something there, but it's it's gone. Oh, it's all it's all good. No worries. Um, I, well, it's interesting though that you mentioned the finances because I do think that part of of dealing with your own privilege and trying to be more in- inclusive is having a lot of self transparency. Yeah. With people about what's going on with you, not, not even just business, but like, hey, you know what? I realized, I realized this past week that. Uh, you know, I had been kind of ignorant or blind to something that was going on with this other group of people. And I have to be upfront that that's a thing that I, I got wrong for a while. And I want you guys to know that I'm, I'm aware of that and I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of the onus is, I think, on us to be more transparent about, about everything, really. Yeah. And that's, you've reminded me exactly where I was going with that as well. So my point was that I was going to go around to is that we want to do something like a, uh, an all black creators stream or an all people of color and all disabled people, uh, all disabled stream. But the issue we have that me and Alice, both uh, being a white couple, I, I'm not currently feeling comfortable to put that sort of stream on and have all the proceeds go to me. You know what sure, I mean? Yeah. That just that yeah. just feels really shitty. Right. So um, I, I don't want to do anything like that. But we're trying to we're trying to do as much as we possibly can to like make our space more accessible and and get more people involved. You know, we've recent we're we're trying to make sure that our moderators don't all look the same. Trying to make sure that our uh, the people around us uh, uh, have got the same values, the people who are helping us make decisions. You know, it's uh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. You know what I think, and not to go off on a on a rant, but what I think is very interesting and very telling is when uh, when you start putting forth that kind of intentional effort of of hey, we want our team to look different. Um, and maybe you've experienced this, and maybe you haven't, but I, I certainly think you could look on the internet and see this very quickly. We want our team to look different. We're going to be intentional about that. We are going to, um, you know, we're going to hire uh, trans folks and non-binary and people of color, and we're going to we're going to work with everyone. The response you see from, uh, unfortunately, people who who look like us is like, whoa, 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 that's you know, what, what are you doing there? Like the 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 response of people suddenly being afraid that their privilege is taking away. Yeah, I I think is you know as progressive of a time as we live in, I think is very telling about all that we still have to overcome right yeah oh yeah definitely you see it all the time people uh people uh who um you know they 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 feel jealous or something once their privilege starts getting taken away i mean uh the the whole uh when a white person says that if you ex- not exclude a white person but if you would prefer to like get more different looking people into a into a into a space they take umbrage to that and it's like uh, well that's racist and it's like well it's not because there's no system of oppression here that's that's holding you down, buddy. Right. You know, you you've got just as much privilege as everyone else. It's just these people don't. So we're trying to support them. But like, and that's just it. Suddenly, the the playing field is leveled, and to someone who's been up here, and because we're on a podcast, I'm holding my hand up in the air. Um, <laughs> someone who's been up here is suddenly now on the same playing field as everyone else. And to the person who's lived with privilege their entire life, they're like, oh, this feels like oppression. No, yeah. no, it's equality. Get get used to it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, but then, you know, that's often you see a lot of anger around it. And what's the biggest cause of anger? Loss, you know? So it makes, I guess it makes sense uh, when you analyze it with cold, hard chemicals. But um, when you look at the bigger scope of things, it's, it's just not the case. For sure. Well, let's take a real, just real quick break here um, to talk about one of my other sponsors. And and guys, it is important to me that, uh, you know, that I get to work with sponsors who are small businesses. And in this time, you know, with all the uncertainty going on in the world and, and when this airs, hopefully things will be a little bit better, but maybe they won't. All to say, I think it's really important to support our small businesses and the, the people in our community. So one of the people that I work with is Anthony of Talon and Claw. Um, you know them because I talk about them and I retweet them and they make really cool stuff on Instagram and Twitter. You can check them out. But they make those sweet custom handmade wooden dice accessories, dice vaults, DM screens that just look absolutely amazing, Uh, hero vaults. So make sure you check them out, talentandclaw.etsy.com. You can use code ROLLPERSUASION to save 10% there. And once again, that always supports the show when you do that, but it also supports small businesses and creators in our community. So if you want something cool to protect your dice, to run your game from behind, make sure you check them out. Check them out, talentandclaw.etsy.com. Appreciate not only having had them as a guest on the show, 
but as a supporter of the show and a friend. So make sure you check them out, support them, follow them on Twitter, all the good stuff. Big thanks to them. So jumping back into it, I'm curious because you do so much uh, playing in games and running games. Do you have a preference between the two? Do you, do you find that you enjoy them equally or, or is it, you know, oh, I really enjoy playing, but sometimes I have to DM. How does that shake out? You know, it, it depends on the player and the system, I think. Um, I mean, I... So at the start of a campaign, in like the first 8 to 12 episodes, I love DMing. I love it, because I can just sow chaos and all the rest of it and be as chaotic as I like. But then um, when it gets towards the end of the campaign, or if the campaign runs a little longer, um, people start to get more expectations. You know, you've put down so many plot hooks now that people are trying to tie some of them off. And like, I'm not very good at that. You know, I'll often, I won't plan a finale of a thing until like two episodes until the end. And then I'll look at all the loose ends I've gotten, try and make spaghetti out of it. Uh, and uh, it, I just see what sticks. Um, as a player, I, it, I think that also depends. I mean, I've done some very serious characters um, that I know touched a few people. Um, so um, I know one, for example, I played a, 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 a tiefling called Lon's Delight, and she was dealing with a lot of depression uh, specifically around her image. And um, some, of the, some of the quotes from that game still crop up now and then on the internet when people uh, are thinking about things. You know, they've, some people have got them written on their walls and stuff, and you see it come back. And I really love touching people in that way. But like characters like the sorcerer I mentioned earlier are just so much fun to play because all they want to do is burn everything. You know, they don't want to hurt anyone. They just want to burn everything to the ground. And um, yeah, that's, that's a ton of fun. We played a one shot uh, with them recently in a charity stream. Uh, and um, we were a good aligned party with me, an evil character. And I did burn a few things, but we still saved the day. And that's the important thing, right? At least we saved half the town. Right. As long as, long as you can have that balance, if you can get, get a little, uh, you know, pyrotechnics done and save the day, everybody wins. Nobody loses in, in that scenario, except I guess the owner of whatever you burned. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, for me, honestly, the two processes aren't very different. The difference between, difference between being a player and being the DM I suppose it could be because I'm often the channel owner as well. So maybe uh, maybe I still feel a lot of the responsibilities in the player's seat that maybe other people don't. But um, I'm always looking out for all the people on my stream. Like for the three hours that we stream, those four or five people are my absolute priority. You know, I've, I've, I've always made that a point that like when we're live, the players and their well-being is more important than everything else. It doesn't matter about the number of viewers it doesn't matter about uh the viewers although we do offer viewers um we use safety systems a lot one of our yeah. core values is using safety systems in everything we do and um we have safety systems for our players but we also have one for the chat where we'll just put like a little card in chat that reminds people hey some people feel so compelled to support a stream that they won't leave even if like they're an arachnophobe and we're doing a spider shot you know it's like they won't I'm like, hey, it's okay to step away. If you want to come back, that's fine. Let one of the mods know. They'll DM you to let you know when this scene has passed. If you don't think you can come back, that's fine. You're still an amazing supporter. Looking after your own safety supports my core values more than your viewership. And, and that's really what I'm all about. Keeping everyone safe, keeping them happy and having a fun game. And uh, I guess when I'm playing or DMing, that's kind of always my... I feel like that's always my responsibility, you know? So I, I guess I, I do, I take on less responsibility at, than most DMs do in the sense of prepping and stuff because I avoid it with, as much as possible. But I still have the responsibility of looking after my players whether I'm playing or DMing. Of course, yeah. And, and that's great because uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, I, I don't think too many people, especially on stream, often think about extending safety mechanics to their viewers as well as their players. Um, there's which which is a great which is a great thing to do i i would have never considered that until you mentioned it just now but you're right it seems uh now that you have incredibly important and like you said supporting your core values that and, and i love that idea that like someone else being safe and comfortable is more important and more supportive of what you what you're doing than actually being a viewer you know for the whole session of whatever whatever's on there that's great 
Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly what we're what we're trying to do. That's our message, you know. I, I think. Um, so I, I I I was an engineer to begin with. I was I I I did a lot of things at school. I was one of them kids that was good at everything. I'm afraid to say I was the annoying kid that would play basketball all season and still get an A in math. Um, but uh, I I um I. I think the companies that excel the most, the companies that do the best, they have a clear set of core values and all of their decisions in some way reflect those core values. I think when you see businesses going, um, going out of business or, um, or especially bigger companies, because I used to work for big engineering companies, so that's my experience of things. Uh, the bigger companies, when they, when they start deviating from those core values or when they start um, perhaps making decisions, or maybe they're forced to make decisions that go against their their core values because you know the world is what it is. Sometimes it throws curveballs at you. That's when you start to see declines. So, or maybe if their core values aren't very strong, that's another one that catches a lot of people out. So that was really what I did when I first started this. I was like, well, okay, if I'm going to do this as a business, what are my core values? And my core values are creating a diverse and inclusive space, extending safety tools to everyone. You know, and uh, and really, when you think about it, actually, those two things are the same thing. Safety, sure, uh, yeah. for for you know, safety for people at your table, that kind of equals diver diversity and inclusion. You know, they're 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 very much the same thing. So uh, that that was that was another thing that I kind of realized that for a long time I was thinking of those two things as separate things, and actually they're. They're very much the same thing. And the other thing is respect. You know, we always ask people to be respectful. One of our channel rules in Twitch, for example, is um, uh, to uh, not not to use, um, not to give un unsolicited feedback. You know, people are there yeah. for the first time. They're already nervous. We recommend that new players don't look at Twitch chat, but I can't stop them from doing it. Sure. And uh, if you get someone coming into chat giving like, oh, this character could be better, you know, they've got a weak voice and stuff. What are you doing? You're just going to destroy that. Like we're all about building confidence. That's the last thing yeah, we want to yeah. see in chat. You know, so uh, I often I often think you can sum it up in like you know those uh, those things that go around every now and again. Uh, the if you didn't love me then, you don't deserve to love me now. And usually it's like a right. cosplay glow up. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, a, good, that's a great way to summarize. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned charity streams, uh, something that you've done, and you recently did, um, oh, probably by the time this comes out a month or two ago, I don't know, six weeks, uh, you recently did a 24 hours of D&D &D stream where you ran multiple games, actually with uh, several different people who have been guests on this show. You've had you, Lauren, um, yeah, was Lauren. a guest on a couple weeks episode, Grant Howitt uh, will have been a guest by the time your episode airs. Hope Lavelle was on there as well, and of course you. Um, so what goes into organizing a 24 hour stream? Like, like what was that undertaking? like? Nah, chaos. Uh, so which is uh, your favorite thing? Like you were saying, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, it's it. Okay. So, you know, the old, the old jokes all there, arranging a D and D party to meet up once to play a, a three or four hour game, uh, dice check 40, you know, nearly impossible. Um, and, uh, for my regular streams, it's quite easy because, um, quite often people reach out to me. In fact, uh, uh probably I have about 200 names on my waiting list at the minute. And I'd say about 50% of them DM'd me like, Hey, I saw a tweet saying you invite new players. Can I play a game? And I'm like, yes, you're on the waiting list. We'll get you in. And like getting them games is easy. I just send them a message once they get to the top of the list saying, these are the slots I've got. Which one's best for you? This one. Okay. Can you do this date? Easy. Charity streams is a little bit different. You want to get as much reach as possible. Uh, you want to get uh, your you want to get your stream funded. You want to get a lot of viewership. You want people who uh, have a lot of um, a lot of sway. Uh, but you also want to continue to support your core values. You know, so you want to be uh, promoting people who who uh, have diverse backgrounds. You want to be inclusive of of BIMPOC and disabled and and all of these different things that go into it. Uh, and really, it it's finding people, messaging them, trying to get them interested in your charity stream, uh, and then setting it up just like anything else. You know, okay, well, what time can you DM? Can you do this time? Can you do that time? You know, um, I've built a lot of contacts, uh, thankfully, through my affiliations with D&D &D and D&D &D Beyond and all of that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm getting a lot further. Satine 
has been an amazing supporter of my channel. Um, I, the first convention, the first American convention I ever did, uh, Satine Phoenix grabbed me and just walked me around the convention floor, uh, introducing me to people. And, and that is just amazing. That is the sort of thing that really helps smaller creators, you know, just putting us out there. People saying, look, this person's message is good. Support them. That really yeah, helped yeah. us. And I'll be forever grateful to her. But there's a lot of people like that. And uh, so uh, you draw on your contacts, you know, you use the reach you've got. You reach out to everyone you can find and say, hey, I want to do this. It's for kids with cancer. Help me out. And they come through, you know, and uh, we raised $6,000 for um, St. Jude's. Our goal was 3000 So that's huge. Um, Based on my math, that's, that's double. Yeah. Goal. Yeah. I think the actual final amount might have been $6,030. So we, we hit like 201%. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, November as well. So within the last six months, we also did a charity stream for uh, Extra Life. We raised another $3,000 then. Um, so, you know, uh, we, we've decided we're going to do a charity stream we used to do charity streams fairly often uh, and for smaller causes. We've kind of decided, uh, I, when I say we, that is like a royal we, I mean me. Uh, I've decided that I'm going to do more charity streams at the end of seasons and try and make them a bigger event so we can get more focus and get these celebrities in to play D&D and raise as much money as we possibly can for these charities, you know. So hopefully looking at it, maybe we'll raise over 10 grand for charity this year. I mean, in the last six months, we've already raised nine grand. So on a rolling 12 months, it seems likely. Yeah, that's, that's great. That, that is awesome. Um, and it's, it's cool that like, that's become such a thing too. And you mentioned Satine and obviously she does uh, a big charity stream every year. And she was kind of one of the first people to really um, introduce that. She and I talked about that uh, whenever she was on. And, and it's cool because the charity stream allows you to do things that you might not do in a normal game, um, you know, like offering different in-game incentives for donations, letting people really kind of participate. Uh, you know, it's much different. It would almost be like if you were watching like a football game and you said, oh, if you donate 5,000 bucks, you can substitute the coach for the keeper. Um, yeah, right? yeah. You can just like, but that, that doesn't really happen outside of uh, these D&D streaming games. And so I think it's a really kind of fun interactive aspect that, that sets it apart really, makes it more entertaining, more engaging to watch and participate in. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and not only do you get more opportunities for players, like we, we put our prices up massively for charity streams. Like this last one, the $6,000 one, um, to introduce a complication that the DM can use uh, was a $500 donation. And it popped off. We, we got loads of $500 donations. Those are $100 donations as well. The most memorable, memorable one for me was in the final show. Uh, B. Dave Walters was DMing. Um, he had thrown me, Hope Lavelle, you mentioned... Uh, Gil the Vogsmith and uh, Mally Games, Mal Malavef on Twitch. Uh, she made the uh, the the um, pride emotes. Um, threw us against the Tarask, and then someone donated five hundred dollars, and was like, "Hey, this isn't hard enough." So we ended up not only fighting a Tarask, we were fighting a Tarask and Tiamat. You know, and that doesn't <laughs> happen in an everyday oh, game. Oh man! <laughs> right, know? right. That's super cool. Well. You know, man, thank you so much for uh, joining me. I, I love what you're doing. I love um, really just kind of everything that you have going on. I, and I appreciate so much you taking the time to come and share a bit of it with me and with my listeners. Um, where can people check you out if they want to uh, be part of the Academy or see what you have going on, support the stream? Where can they find you? Okay. Uh, so um, my, my content is aired on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Scraticus. That's with two T's in the middle. Um, you can find our content Mondays to Thursdays there and also much more, uh, again, glutton for punishment. I'm doing more and more and more to support the current social distancing and all that sort of stuff. So come and take a break, come and hang out. Uh, but also, uh, you can find us on Twitter, uh, uh, Scraticus underscore, the underscore is the bane of my life. Um, but you can find us there and from there you can find links to all of our other things as well. I mentioned our Discord community. Our Discord community is lovely. They are, uh, for a group of 1,000 people, I'm wary of saying this, um, but I believe I've, I've never seen any of them act in a way that doesn't seem safe, that doesn't seem supportive, and, uh, you know, they're all just there supporting each other. One of our busiest channels is the, uh, is the mental health and struggles channels. 
where people just come and just air their grievances and people just reach out and support them, you know, and, and that's open to everyone. If you want to get in a game, DM me on Twitter. It's that easy. I'll get you on the list. I'll get you a game. Uh, and uh, there might be a wait list, you know, it's a struggle to get everyone in games immediately, but um, I haven't filled this season yet, even though I've still got names to reach out to. I mean, this season runs until, uh, until mid-June and we've still got plenty of spaces. So send me a DM. We'll get you a game. That's great. And we'll put links to all of that in the show notes. Um, so you can go click on those to, to check all of that out from scratch. And if you are a Patreon backer, if you go to patreon.com slash roll for persuasion and you support the show, make sure you hang out for our weekly zone of truth segment. After the outro music, we're going to be talking about uh, metalworking, some of your engineering experience. You were showing me uh, before we started recording your wedding ring you actually made yourself. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. And if you support the show, you always have access to that special podcast feed that lets you download not just the newest episode, but old episodes if you want to go back and hear all those cool conversations. We like to take 10 to 15 minutes, just chat about something that our guests love and are into and and enjoy doing maybe outside of their game. So definitely, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash roll for persuasion. I appreciate it. And I appreciate my patrons very much. And of course, I appreciate my third and final sponsor who has been with us since the very beginning. They're the ones who bring the Zone of Truth segment. And that is Smuggler's Coffee. Store.smugglerscoffee.com. Their coffee is delicious. I drink it way more than I should. It's part of the reason I'm so hyped up right now. And I love it. They do great nerd-themed labels on all of the bags of coffee. They barrel age the beans to give them these great bourbon and rum notes. They have a great new line called Advanced Science and Sorcery, which is their first line of flavored coffee. So if you want that cinnamon roll coffee or butter toffee, you can check that out. Store.smugglerscoffee.com. Big shout out to Dave and everyone at the Barrel Room over at Smugglers. We appreciate them so much for bringing us this segment each and every week. So guys, thank you so much for joining me each and every week. Thank you so much to my guests, Scraticus. Make sure you check out them and everything that they're doing in the community on all of their streams. Support the show, support what they're doing. Shoot them a DM if you want to be part of what they've got going on. Super cool and we are very appreciative to have them on the show. You can get in contact with me and with the show at Roll Persuasion on Instagram and on Twitter. Very active on Twitter, so make sure you hit me up there. If you want to shoot me an email, andrew at rollforpersuasion.com. Look out for all of our future episodes. We're in the process of lining up some really cool guests that I'm very excited to bring to you. So thank you guys so much for joining us each and every week. Enjoying the show and make sure that you enjoy your games. Mm-hmm.